What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We have the Oakland mayor on the line, y'all. Well, the next Oakland mayor, we are joined this morning by Mayor-elect Shang Tao. Good morning, Mayor-elect Tao, and thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. Good morning, Ms. Brooks. I, but you better call me Cat. I am. I'm really excited uh, to to have this conversation with you. Yeah, it hit me last night. I was like, eight years I've been on the the morning show, and yeah, never, never had the Oakland mayor as a guest. We look forward to talking to you often over the next four years. Shang, folks that listen to my show know that you know I will get to the political in a minute, but I always like to start with the personal because we are human beings first. And your personal story is quite powerful. Um, you and I share some experiences uh, in in terms of the past our lives took, uh, particularly around being a survivor of intimate partner violence. And I wonder if you would just spend the first couple of minutes um, of our time together telling folks your story. I don't know that all my listeners have had the benefit of hearing how Shang Tao got to where she sits today. Absolutely. And thank you so much for um, asking that question. I think that is incredibly important. that we have leaders who have the life experience, right? Um, and understand what uh, families, the majority of families go through every day. And so I, I'm gonna start off with that I am, be, I am a daughter of refugees. My parents uh, escaped genocide um, during the secret war. Uh, I am Hmong American. Uh, I am elected as the first uh, Hmong woman to be council member and now the first uh, Hmong American mayor of a large metropolitan city in the nation. And that is something I'm very proud of because uh, my parents landed here in 1979, um, again, fleeing genocide. And we grew up, uh, you know, in poverty, um, on welfare, social services. Uh, I have nine other siblings. And, um, wow. you know, it, it's a yeah, that's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of us, but um, and really tight knit community. And so, um, you know, really leaving um, after you know uh, graduating high school and what have you. You know, my first relationship, I was in a really bad uh, domestic violence uh, relationship for four years, six months, and uh, you know he's still beating me. And so I, I leave six months pregnant and found myself at twenty years old pregnant and. Um, basically homeless. I didn't, you know, to escape my abuser, uh, I didn't have anyone else to turn to because as you know, over the years of the four years, uh, my family has been cut off, no friends and all of that. And so I, I gave birth at County Hospital and um, uh, to my beautiful son, Benedict. And, uh, you know, uh, we were unhoused, lived in my car, uh, couch surfed because not that I didn't have a job. I had a job, but just couldn't afford to pay first month, last month and also deposit, which is what many families are faced with. And then what happened? <laughs> I love how you say <laughs> and then what happened. Well, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, you know, and then from that point, I, I, you know, hope is incredibly important. I always talk about, you know, during the campaign, it's like we have to allow for there to be, um, we have to lead uh, with hope because, at that moment in time when um, after having my son and being alone and feeling cut off and not knowing, um, I, I was becoming hopeless. And it was a very dangerous situation to be in, especially as a single mom, because you know that your kid's going to eat one way or another. And so um, I remember uh, driving up to Merritt College and I saw the view of Oakland. And um, I remember feeling like, 
there is hope. There is hope in this world. And so uh, because of that, I did enroll at Merritt College and, um, you know, uh, enrolled to just do the paralegal certificate to get in, get out and get a job, uh, a, a better paying job so I can afford to pay rent. And, um, you know, it was, it was truly others who lifted me up. Uh, you know, you don't do this kind of, uh, you don't get out of this kind of uh, situation or do this kind of work by yourself ever. And so, um, you know, graduated valedictorian from Merritt College, transferred over to UC Berkeley, uh, where I help create the basis of what is now the Bear Pantry, the food access program. You know, we always hear about starving students, but yet it's incredibly ridiculous that you know, the institution of the UC, uh, this great institution, which is, it, it is a great institution, uh, wasn't actually uh, taking down some of those barriers for success. And so being a single mom, a student parent, living on welfare, uh, it was incredibly hard. Um, and I was actually headed off to law school. However, uh, the last semester, I didn't have money to actually buy clothes for my son who was quickly outgrowing his clothes. And so I uh, got a paid internship uh, and they paired me up with the uh, a council member at large, Rebecca Kaplan. And that began uh, a whole new world for me in regards to, um, you know, a better understanding of what it meant to actually lead the local politics, because it is at the local level where we are able to impact working families and families who live on the margins the most, right? It's every single policy, every single ordinance that we pass, uh, whether it be a positive thing or, um, you know, a more neutral thing or what have you, it does have uh, consequences. You know, the positives and the very negative and the people that feel it the most are those who live on the margins. And so for me, uh, that's a passion of mine because in this world where now I am mayor of Oakland, my parents who, even if they lived with me, they wouldn't qualify for my health benefits. They are still on Medi-Cal and um, still suffer through the unjust systems of, you know, our um, health care uh, system. You know, my, my mom is really ill and she doesn't get the attention that she needs because, of course, you know, um, we can't pay outright out of pocket and that's many families and so this is the reason why I do the work that I do. In addition to being the first Hmong woman elected as Oakland mayor I believe you are also the first Oakland mayor who is still a renter. Um, you do not own your home and some of your strongest track records as a council member has been to be supportive of our unhoused community as well as folks who are also struggling to pay the very high rents in Oakland. Um, we asked folks from um, uh, you know our listener base to send in some questions and one of the first questions that came in, Shane, was about Oakland's uh, eviction moratorium. The federal moratorium has ended. California's uh, moratorium for the most part has ended. Oakland has extended it. As mayor, are you going to support continuation of the moratorium? What are the next steps for the moratorium? What are your plans to work with council? Um, and you can, of course, talk about uh, the measure that just passed to ensure that there is actually affordable, not market rate, but actually affordable housing for folks and that renters, tenants are protected from landlords that want to cash in on um, the amounts that you can now charge for a closet in Oakland. I, you know, uh, yes, absolutely. I am the first renter uh, to become mayor of the city of Oakland. And, you know, it, it's a real struggle, right? It goes back to the story that I just, um, of how I came to be where I'm at today. And even today, you know, it's like a struggle to just figure out how to pay rent. And so, um, and so it's difficult, but 
I, that's the beautiful thing about the leadership, the new leadership, the new administration, the Tao administration, is that we're going to be able to work hand in glove with the council members. And I think that that's the most unique and the most important aspect of this administration is that um, that we I, I do have a great relationship with all the council members. And I do, it, it is one of my priorities is to protect our renters, right? We understand that we always hear people talk about the beautiful uh, diversity that we have here. But I can tell you that we all know through the data and just through walking out of our doors is that it's being diluted. And I want to keep our diversity. It is our strength. It is our superpower here. And so uh, that's why I'm a staunch supporter and champion of making sure that we build affordable housing, deeply affordable housing. And what does that mean relative to the incomes that people are actually earning here in the city of Oakland? Um, you know, I know that the current administration uh, wasn't really hyper-focused on the deeply affordable and affordable and moderate rate housing, but that is something that I'm working closely on, especially with council member Fife, um, with a potential funding mechanism for it. And also uh, through Measure U, which passed as well, which that will allow for us to have funding to build more housing. Um, at the end of the day, that's what we need to do is we need to continue to protect those renters uh, who are, um, you know, housing insecure to ensure that they actually don't become unhoused because that's how we you know, that's the best way to protect the folks from mental health illnesses, from, you know, making sure they don't end up on the streets and everything else. But also on the flip side of that is working with great colleagues such as the vice mayor, council president Bass, council member um, Fife, to really hone in and build those deeply affordable, affordable housing, social housing. And I'm excited for the new council members to come on board. Um, you know, uh, council member elect in district four, uh, as well as council member elect Kevin Jenkins in district six. And, you know, in district four is Janani Ramachandra. So I know I mushed two questions together. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to extract from there that um, you're going to work with the council to build the, the deeply affordable housing and supportive, I, I, I'm guessing, of ensuring that the moratorium remains in place um, so folks aren't pushed out on the streets. Yeah? Exactly. That's what you mentioned something that I'm actually the most excited about, and, and I, I'd like to, to spend a couple of minutes for, for listeners to, to understand what the impact of the division that was, I, I believe, intensely generated um, by the current administration between the mayoral um, administration and city council, what that meant in terms of log jams, right? A lot of Oaklanders on either side of the political aisle across ideology, you know, have been frustrated feeling like, why is there still trash? Why are we not seeing reduction uh, in, in the levels of violent crime? Why, why are, are there so many unhoused? Why is nothing moving? And a lot of that has to do with the division that existed. I, I'm the most excited about that, 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 that there is alignment between council and, and the, the incoming administration. Talk about well, that, what, what that will mean for Oaklanders in terms of deliverables. Like, what will that mean in terms of things actually starting to move in the right direction because there is this existing alignment? Yes, I think that this is the most important aspect, um, you know, just because for multiple reasons. Uh, the alignment of, you know, our values in regards to making sure that we are protecting those who have the least. Uh, I think that's incredibly important because then there is um, a base of respect, a base of trust. And that's the huge thing that was missing previously is you know, we had to ask we had to ask for our city staff 
to do more work in regards to informational reports, right? Because we weren't getting the information uh, that we needed to actually support and relay it back to our constituency. So the only one of the pathways that we were able to get that information was to go through a resolution process, a formal process of asking for those reports. And when you're when you already have so many vacancies across the city and you're asking for staff to create these reports, they do have to put aside what they're working on, like the real work to actually create these reports. And so that's something I'm excited for is just um, more transparency, more alignment, more partnership um, and uh, more trust within City Hall so that we can emulate that and have that actually be a part of how we boost the morale, the morale in every single department. You know, our city workers have done so much work in regards to, you know, taking on two jobs on top of their own. And so I do believe that when the leadership, when the when the leadership of Oakland can have that kind of respect for each other and that kind of transparency and trust, that that's going to be able to be uh, broadened and spread out amongst the city workers. And then, therefore, we will be able to deliver services and to earn back the trust and the respect of our Oakland voters and residents and businesses. I've heard you talk about, you know, on the campaign trail and even b- before that about the vacancies across departments inside of the city administration. And I saw in a recent article um, that you planning on a hiring blitz. Who are you hiring? What does that look like? How does that happen? Um, and what will that mean for Oakland? Yes, uh, intentional hiring. Right. And so, it, it, for example, um, I want to make sure that we get as many Oaklanders as possible into these great union paid jobs these jobs that have health care, these jobs that have 401ks. And so, uh, but, you know, so that's number one and foremost. And then we need to also partner and think about long-term. How do we get, um, you know, Oaklanders and those who live in uh, in this area to actually grab onto the jobs that need more, um, you know, uh, more skills-based, like our inspectors and what have you. So creating those pipelines from high school, from our high school uh, classrooms to uh, Peralta colleges so that they can be feeder schools into uh, becoming just example, you know, um, the building inspectors, fire inspectors and what have you, because this is where we get a lot of turnover. And so really looking at what our high points of turnover is at and then being intentional about how we create those pipelines for that talent to come into the city. Uh, in regards to the hiring list, I am talking to labor around uh, possible exemptions around civil service. But again, um, it's going to be people who look like Oakland, people who are from Oakland, you know, uh, we're going to make sure that we encourage people and get people, get the word out that people need to apply for these positions that are great. And, um, and again, that's another way that we can make sure that we deliver on the promises that we made uh, to those voters and to taxpayers. When you say exemptions on civil service, I, I, I'm genuinely asking this because I don't know. Are you talking about like folks who may have records, you know, which is like many, many, many black and brown folks who are in desperate need of, the, of these jobs? Is that what you mean or something else? No, it's uh, so we already banned the box in the city of Oakland. And so, um, you know, um, so we that we have the banned box. And and so in regards to the exemption is basically um, basically cutting down the process, cutting down the timeline on how long it takes to actually, you know, bring out the list and uh, get people onboarded and hired. And so that's the conversation that I'm having with labor around the civil service process. Um, it, it usually takes about you know, so many months and we want to be able to cut that down in half or so. 
Uh, I mean, we, we did bend the box, uh, but and I'll just re- remind folks, like, there was a struggle around the police commission, whether or not folks who actually had uh, criminal legal system records could be a part of it. And then we had that similar, I mean, you had to help, you helped us advocate, right, for that not to be a barrier for the living wage jobs that came with the macro program, the, the uh, Oakland's mental health crisis response. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, if I can add on to that, you know, we need to make yeah. sure that when we are, um, when we have family members who are, you know, um, acclimating back to society, into society or what have you, that we put them in a place where they can be very successful. And the best way to do that is to ensure that they do have these great paying jobs. They've already done their time. They're out here and we have to make sure that we set them up for success because their success is our success. Well, and that's literally a public safety strategy, right? Like the reason why folks end up um, re- reviolating, right? Is it, 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 to what you said earlier, people have to eat. They have to put a roof over their head. So let's help them do that in a way that contributes to the community, which is a good segue because that is what is on everybody's mind, uh, Mayor Electow, public safety. Um, Oakland is not unique in this. I say that all of the time. Um, it's funny, I was just in my hometown, Las Vegas, and you know the news clips, the, the dings on my phone shifted it was like every 45 minutes there was another murder, shooting, stabbing, something. Across the country, we're seeing this happen. Your pathway to a safer Oakland for all. Yes, the pathway forwards that, and, and I said it loud and clear on the campaign trail, too, is we, what we must do is we have to double down on the violence prevention funding um, that we started, you know, the last round of budget. And that's what I'm committed to doing. Uh, we have to activate our public spaces, make it accessible and safe and clean for our families. You know, um, you know, there's, when people think about public safety, it's just not the response. Yes, the response is important, you know, but however, um, it's also the preventative measures. And that could be something as, um, as basic, I guess you can say, uh, as making sure that parks are accessible. For many people who live in apartments who don't have a backyard, uh, like I live in an apartment for majority of my life, uh, parks are my front yard, my backyard. And if we can have accessibility and activate those public spaces to make it community-based, we are all safer for it because we get to know our neighbors. We get to understand um, that uh, who they are, who their family members are. We, we can feel more comfortable going up to them and asking them, hey, turn down your radio because it's like 10.30 p.m., right? And I have a job interview the next day. And so all of this comes into play around uh, and also uh, having our constituents uh, take, you know, take ownership and pride of their neighborhoods as well, too. It really starts with the block-to-block ideology around uh, how we keep ourselves safe. And so I'm committed to that. And a part of it, too, is, again, access to opportunities. Our summer summer youth paid internship, I want to expand that. We do need a year-round paid internship. Keep our kids busy, but put money in their pockets as well, too. Um, And so there are multiple different plans that we have that we must implement in order uh, to really uh, say that we mean what we say when we talk about public safety, which is that uh, which is the comprehensive full all around approach. Yeah. And just a, a, another reminder for my listeners about how important providing jobs to our young people are about six years ago, the Shaft administration she says, forgot, I, you know, I say failed 
to uh, invest in the summer youth jobs program. And we, we saw, this was pre-COVID, we saw such a huge spike in violence on our streets. And a year later when the data was called, there was a direct correlation between idle hands, hot days, no employment, and that increase in violence. So it's super duper important. All right, Mayor Lechtel, before I get in trouble by my listeners and they say it was, it was a softball interview, I'm going to ask you a question um, that, that I would have asked you anyway but but came from um a listener and so i'm going to read exactly how how they gave it to me uh to you they say given your support as a council member of increasing police do you plan on continuing in that direction you know i have always stated that we need to make sure that we fill the vacancies my high focus right now is filling the vacancies um within the police department and every single department we're funded right now uh this is something that we pass on the city council we were funded for 752 police officers you know um we're struggling to get to that number and so my focus is to just get us to that number of what we promised uh the voters through our vote is 752 officers that's what was funded. There was, you were one of the only mayoral candidates, well, yeah, you're one of the only leading mayoral candidates who did not sign the pledge uh, to take that number up to 900, which if you look at the data and the numbers mm-hmm. would literally bankrupt this city. Why not 900? Why just 752? You know, I'm, uh, for me, it's, it's important to have the trust of our residents and to say 900 or just you know, if you're going to say 900, why don't you just say 9,000? Because it's not a number that we are able to get to right now because of what you just stated, right? Um, it's it's the funding mechanism, but not just that, but we can't even get to uh, filling the 700 vacancies. And so I want to be very honest. I want my leadership to be very honest with our residents. And uh, we're struggling to get to 752 and to make a false promise of somehow we're going to be able to get to 900 officers or what have you. It, that's just, it. we're not, we can't even get to 752. And so that's what I'm focused on is like getting our numbers up to what we promised our voters and our residents and our businesses and then start from there because at this point, you know, I, I think that um, that's the problem with a lot of politicians is that uh, they react and it's a knee jerk and, you know, they'll throw out a number, not knowing how to fund it, not knowing how to implement and execute. And as mayor, as basically the CEO of the city, I have to be responsible with our city's budget and not just that, but we also have to understand that it's a give and take, right? If you are giving more resources to one department, where are you taking that money from? Because we don't have an infinite amount of funding or resources. And so that's, you know, that's why I didn't take the pledge because I uh, felt that it was just um, uh, false information and uh, it's not actually responsible. Well, and I mean, I don't think I have to say this because my listeners know who I am, but I'm going to say it just for clarity. I was not saying you should have taken the pledge. I do not support that pledge. I mean, we know that um, you and I drift a little bit, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to to policing. And and, uh, I'll just say there's no data that actually shows that more and more cops mean less crime. Um, It just does Mm -hmm. not exist. There is data that shows that investment in prevention actually um, re- reduces crime and increases uh, safety and wellness, um, which is something that, that you've said you're committed to. To your point, mm-hmm. there are not an infinite number of resources, right? Like I know that, that the, the squad, as you all call yourselves, have been looking at ways to, to generate new income from Oakland. But with what we have right now, OPD does suck up 
the vast, a, a lot of the general funds. That's where the money is. Where do you sit on redirecting some of those dollars to invest in prevention instead of just response? You know, uh, that's a part of the budget process, which I'm committed to working with the council members on. Um, You know, I want to take a different approach in regards to how the mayor proposes the budget. I do believe that um, the less strife we have, uh, you know, when it comes to when the budget comes to the city council for a final vote, uh, the better we'll be in in that regard, uh, just in partnership. And so, uh, again, I'm committed to doubling down on the Department of Violence Prevention or, or actually violence prevention programming. And, um, you know, and if and we're going to have to figure out those are the hard questions, right? We're going to have to figure out um, where we're going to get the funds from uh, in order to do that kind of work. And so but I am committed to making sure that we double down on the violence prevention funding. All right. Uh, Mayor Lecto, I'm going to let you off the hot seat and and throw, uh, uh, let's go in a different direction. Um, There's a question from Melissa that says, what will you do to put an end to sweeps at homeless encampments? Specifically, what are your immediate plans, not eventual plans? And before you answer that, I do just want to highlight, because I don't know that it's common knowledge that when um, a group of us were at uh, 34th and Mandela trying to prevent um, an eviction of unhoused folks there and council member Fife literally put her body on the line in between the unhoused residents and law enforcement that was coming to arrest folks. You were furiously writing a resolution um, to, to try and um, get them somewhere safe to be able to to move to immediately and, and so I, that just didn't make the headlines so I wanted to to share that piece of history. Um, But the question from the listener is, what will you do to put an end to sweeps at homeless encampments? Specifically, what are your immediate plans, not eventual plans? Yeah, uh, and thank you for uplifting that part of it. I think that uh, our job as leaders of the city, there are a lot of things that um, that people don't see that we, we do do in order to make sure that we live up on our uh, in regards to our values. And uh, absolutely, when I got the call from, um, you know, Council Member Fife, uh, that was something in, in, that she needed support on. And I was able to uh, work with her in partnership to ensure that we created, um, we move forward with a uh, some language, so a resolution, a possible resolution to get people onto a specific site. I think that we, you know, um, we must, be able to offer people with dignified housing if we're asking them to be removed uh, from any site. And uh, that's where uh, I am currently actively working with council member five specifically. I want to work with other council members in the different districts as well too. But we really, uh, I'm working with council member five on pushing to open up, you know, the sanctioned sites on uh, the um, Northgate parcel. Um, I think that that idea uh, and then opening up that parcel it's about five acres to make sure that we have dignified housing with electricity and what have you as a tempering shelter temporary shelter is going to be key on how we triage and not just that but bring in the mental health resources bring in the substance abuse all the wraparound services um and to ensure that we can get families uh into permanent housing immediately um it's not going to be a silver bullet it's not going to solve our affordable housing crisis overnight, right? We have to build the actual affordable housing stock. Um, but, you know, that's a, a unique difference between uh, the leadership of a Tao administration is that I will be working hand in glove with the different council members on how we actually shift to a more dignified way of, um, of how we deal with our unhoused neighbors. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, in, there is no only one version of an answer. There's going to be multiple uh, pathways in regards to how we actually addressed our unhoused communities. But at the end of the day, this is a symptom. I want people to remember this is a symptom of, ha- of what happens when you don't actually prioritize the basic needs of families that live in, in your city. You know, and the basic needs is, uh, of course, every family needs stability in their housing situation. And so when you have stability, uh, then you can then look to success in whether it's, you know, um, anything else, education or, uh, you know, family matters or what have you. And so uh, we have to start from the bare basics. And I'm committed to that work with uh, the council members. Mayor Electow, I know you're super busy and. <clears throat> we really appreciate you carving out this time to talk to us. I've just got just a couple more questions and then I promise to let you go um, get on about the business of being the mayor-elect of Oakland. Um, to, to, to the point that, that you just said, and I really appreciate you said that, right? Like, the the you should think these things will take time and we do know that the wheels of City Hall can move whew, frustratingly uh, slow. <laughs> what What are you, what can you, offer Oakland in the first 100 days, what are some things that you're going to be able to, to do time you hit the ground that we're going to be able to walk outside and look at our city and go, oh, I see, I see, I see a little bit of a difference, right? I, I, I see some sort of shift. What, what are those things, if any, if, if there are those things that, that can come from City Hall quickly? <laughs> Yes, no, there, there there are those things. And um, it's and it's all, you know, they're all interconnected. Everything that we had just talked about, whether it's public safety, you know, staffing up City Hall and all of these things, these things are connected. And I can tell you that one of the things that my administration is going to be working on uh, immediately is the cleanliness of the city of Oakland. It's, you know, we are going to be targeting District 6, 7, 5, and 3 specifically and 2 uh, to ensure that there is that our streets are clean. We have to have a base to start off from. Our staff, again, um, doing terrific work, but they are being overworked because of all the, you know, um, all the trash, to, to be honest with you. They can't keep up. And so we do need to have a full city um, of Oakland reset, and I'm excited to do that work. We're actually... Um, we have uh, we're fleshing out the plans right now for a first annual uh, spring cleaning event of the city of Oakland, where it's all hands on deck, and we will be inviting our uh, you know community members to come out and help as well. Uh, but we do need a base to start off from. We'll be also we have uh, really strong out of the box ideas around how we actually identify um, and support. Uh, three of the unsanctioned uh, uh, encampments, and that work will be for. Um, uh, there'll be more details about that work in the few in the near future. But I'll be working hand in glove with the council members of those districts to ensure that we are on the same page and that we can move forward as a team, as one Oakland. Last question, Mayor Elect Howe. One of the things that that people, all people, uh, do often is we elect our candidate, right? We get them into office and then we go away. <laughs> And we're like, well, they got it. Everything's cool. I'm going to go back to my to my life. Um, Councilmember Fife um, has always talked a lot about governing with the people, right? That it's the people's seat. How? What is your ask of Oaklanders in terms of engaging with you over the next four years? What would you like that relationship to look like? Absolutely. You know, even as a council member, I always say that um, 
this work is it's hard work and it's the love work and uh we are all we all must be invested in uh making uh creating an oakland where it's more just where it's cleaner where it's safer uh for all of us in, in the ways that we had just talked about you know uh, and that is deep investments into our communities and so what i would uh ask of the listeners and of uh oaklanders is that let's roll up our sleeves and do this work together hold me accountable yes but also step up to um, help because at the end of the day, we are in multiple different crises. And um, if we are to save the soul of Oakland, I know that you uh, you say that um, all the time about saving the soul of Oakland. I do believe that I'm on the same page with you, Kat, um, is that we have to do it together because again, we're, we want to create an Oakland where it continues to be diverse, where the socioeconomics are diverse, right? And in order to do that, we all need to step up and take responsibility for that. And so uh, that's one thing that I would leave the listeners with. And, um, you know, and I'm committed. I am so committed more so than ever to make sure that we do this work so that the most marginalized families uh, who are living on the edges, are that their voices are also heard and that we are uplifting the quality of life for all of Oakland. And that's the way to do it. The way to do it is to lift from the bottom up. And we all know that that will, you know, if the ones that have the least uh, are better off, they have a better quality of life, then we're, we all have a better quality of life. Mayor Alex Shengtao, first of all, congratulations. And second thank of all, you. thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm going to let you Absolutely. go back to your, your very uh, busy day. Awesome. Thank all you right. so much, Ms. Cass. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.